Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to the Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We're here today, another Friday, with Tiana Shoei from Made to Conquer Podcast. How are you doing, Tiana? Hey, good morning, Paul. It is the 3rd of November. You know what that means? So I, first of all, I just want to say thank you for acknowledging that we had 52 episodes a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was, it was awful very- on math. It, but it was very kind of you to mention that, you know, I think you said something to the extent of... Um, you were bummed I wasn't there for our one year anniversary, but, but I've got good news for you. That was not our one year anniversary. <laughs> no, thank God. It's, it's next week. So this officially is the last episode of our first season and we start our next season next year or next week, because it is actually next week wraps up one year. Can you believe it's been one year that we've been doing this? Uh, it's been, it doesn't feel like a year. Right. 100% honest. It, this year's kind of flown by. Well, the spring and the summer for me felt like it really drug on. And I feel like since August, mm-hmm. everything's, just, well, I would say September, it's just started popping. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to find the review because it was an earlier review on Apple Podcasts because it was because <laughs> I made a comment last week about Tiana being a woman. <laughs> and the reason is that's been a running joke for us because there was a person who decided to leave an, a review on Apple saying that Tiana should not be speaking on the podcast because she's a woman. Therefore, <laughs> she's disqualified from teaching. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and I guess some people, to your point, may not have picked up on the joke, which is why we both laugh at it because. <laughs> it's, it's oh, man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give an account before Jesus for being a woman and speaking on a microphone. So, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? A woman should remain silent with her head covered. <laughs> Holy cow! That's why I wear a hat. You know. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I ordered a Jewish prayer shawl from a store in Israel that was suffering from loss of tourism. And so going forward, I will have my head covered with you better have that authentic Jewish head shawl in each episode. Well, there we go. There we go. (laughs) Because of the angels, Paul. Well, and since it's Friday, I mean, I guess we could start, you know, doing the the prayer books for Shabbat as well at the beginning. Why not? Start the celebration. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I will say Shabbat in Israel on in Jerusalem. That is a party. Yeah, that is a party. That was that was really cool. We actually got to go sit at a. Uh, we went to a family. They had a, a Shabbat dinner uh, with us and the NFL guys. When I was over there, that was very very cool and really good food. But you know, it, it's it's. It, I think it goes to a really good point though about the intentionality of spending time with family and friends. And it sometimes can get so lost, especially in the American culture. I know for us in our schedule, it is definitely something that we have to really focus on and really be intentional about. The Mormons are great at it. Once a week, I think it is, they have a night where they do games, they do Bible readings, they sing songs, and it's just a focused family night. Mm-hmm. You know, we really, as, as believers, that's something we should definitely do and have an intentional night. And also it's the rest, right? It's not just 
getting together with family and friends, it's that idea of rest and, and just enjoying the time because we do need rest as humans, yeah. Yeah. you know, get so caught up in our, our schedules with sports and school and every dadgum thing that we got to do. I mean, how often, I mean, honestly, how many of us honestly just sit back and go, we're just going to chill for the day and just enjoy. We're terrible at that in this culture. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that there's a Sabbath rest waiting for us. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> the older but... I get, the more this body is like not working with me the way it was when I was in my twenties. In your twenties, you're oblivious to your body until you like kick your toe or something. You're like, oh yeah, I live in a body. And then in your forties, you're like, I've got a body. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the hundred milers really helped helped you out with that though. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Okay, special forces. <laughs> yeah, hey, that green, that big green tick. It just, uh, yeah. There's, <laughs> look, I had a good time. I may be paying for it, but I had a good time. <laughs> you know, I I say the same thing, but now you and I both have the curse of we have to stay. We have to stay active because if not, you just you, you I can't function. And I know you're the same way. Oh my gosh, it it yeah. Well, it, it was interesting. I heard something the other day. It said that um, once most, it was like 98% of people or 96% of people, it's it's a very high number. Once they get past the age of 30, they never sprint again. Because, oh. you know, like when you're younger, you'll you'll sprint, you'll run, you'll play in the sports or whatever. But once past 30, pretty much nobody sprints. And there's a lot of benefits to sprinting. Obviously, now you don't want to just jump out there cold and Tara, it was funny. My, my buddy, John, he, uh, he's the head strength, was the head strength and conditioning coach at the Thor program for fifth group. Uh, he was out at the Olympic training center, head strength and conditioning coach there guy knows his stuff. And he actually got up to demonstrate a sprint and wasn't really thinking he wasn't super warmed up and he tore his hamstring <laughs> and he's like, here I am the head strength and conditioning coach. And I tore my hamstring on a, on a sprint start. <laughs> like it was very embarrassing. Well, no, and it, 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 they're actually great exercises. It's one of the best ways. If you just have 15 minutes to exercise, spend five minutes warming up, do 15 second sprints, cool down for 30 seconds, a 15 second sprint, cool down for 30 seconds and moderate your pace a little bit. I do that a lot. You know, I, I, I have a long driveway that's an uphill driveway. And so it's a good way for me to get some hill training and some sprints in, but you know, I, I warm up <laughs> first <laughs> and necessary. Yeah. And then you let your heart rate get down between sprints and that's the key. And what that does actually is that trains your heart to pump a lot of blood at one time. It increases the capacity that you're heart is pumping. Anyway, I yeah, could hear it all over this stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> so today we're, we're going on a full physical fitness podcast today. We're changing things up. Welcome to it. You want to be a warrior? It involves everything. <laughs> yeah. Stop and give me five now. Gosh, dang it, man. Give me <laughs> those in the military. Remember, half right face. Like, Oh no, it's about to come. Cause when you're in formation, what happens is uh, everybody's right here in formation. So if you were to go down on the ground, you can't go. If you go down on the ground, you're going to hit the person in front of you. So they half right face. And so everybody turns to a 45 and then you can do whatever you need to do. So <laughs> then, you know, it's coming. That, yeah. <laughs> you hear that, you know, it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. So we, we should, we'll, we'll challenge everybody who's listening today. Do, do one of these exercises, do 10 squats, 
if, if you're, if you're completely like unfit, just, just do 10 squats and, and see what happens. If you haven't done squats in a while, I do them before I eat every meal and after every meal and you know, through breaks throughout the day, if you are a little bit more fit and you want to challenge yourself, do 10 burpees, see what happens with 10 burpees. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. That one will wake you up. And if you're not fit at all and squats and burpees sound like torture, then go for a 10 minute walk. Do something. Yeah. Yeah. Just something do is something. Better than nothing. Something is exactly. better than nothing. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. We had one thing when you say with the burpee, we had this thing in Sopsy uh, when I was an instructor called the burpee mile. <laughs> and we gave these guys so much time. They had to do jumping burpees for a distance. We'd have a cone. And <laughs> if they didn't hit that by a certain time, the cone moved farther. And <laughs> it was, it was pretty, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal. I have to say. So <laughs> it yeah. was, I enjoyed being an instructor. <laughs> watching, watching, watching grown men suffer. Yeah. Based on the <laughs> grin in your face, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. we, we had this, we had this one kid, Derek at selection, uh, whenever, uh, you'd get, somebody would get their first voluntary withdrawal, like as in the person was in selection, they'd walk up be like, I quit. I voluntary withdraw. <laughs> you know, that's just a joyous day for an instructor. <laughs> and, you know, we don't really talk, we don't talk to the students at all. Right. It's, and that's the whole thing that a lot of guys struggle with at times you don't necessarily, you don't get feedback. We are just uh, yeah. assessing you. We're just watching you and you don't get feedback till the end, except by the Sykes or whatever. So during your individual events, during land navigation, during team week, we're just taking notes when you're at the hut and, or you're in the barracks, or if you get caught walking, right? Everything is on you. And we just, we observe everybody we watch. But uh, when, when somebody would, was new, a new instructor, and they got their first guy to voluntary withdrawal. He'd walk up, be like, "You just watched a grown man quit. Makes a heart happy." <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, I can't necessarily empathize with that, but I can tell you how many times it brought me joy because I, I was a goofball with my running. I never really took it serious. I wasn't trying to like, I knew I wasn't going to be like winning yeah. any Boston marathon. So for me, it was about being in nature and enjoying the physical push. So oftentimes I'd wear unicorn stuff. And I remember one time I was doing like a little 5k. Awesome. It was like, I think a, it was a Thanksgiving 5k. And a guy was like, I'm not going to let a girl in a unicorn outfit beat me. And I was like, Oh, Cowboy, you just go eat my dust. <laughs> so I just kept my pace just right in front of him, just enough that he, you know, couldn't keep up. And then right at the end, I just <laughs> no, not the unicorn. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> not only did you beat by a woman. You got beat by a woman in a unicorn outfit. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why would you say that out loud? You just gave me every reason why I am going to make sure you suffer for this. <laughs> <laughs> was that poster? Was that poster pre hundred milers? That was post hundred milers. Yeah. Oh, so the, he had no chance. No, he had no chance. Because a 5K is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, holy I, cow. Yeah. You're not even warmed up as an ultra marathoner. I wasn't even warmed up until I was six to 10 miles into a run. So a 5k was like just warm up for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, it's funny. Cause like, I always hated running. I liked rucking. I, I just enjoyed mm -hmm. that, but running to me was just, I don't know. It was just boring. But then now that I'm older, I'm like, I would really like to be able to run more <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If, if my back would allow me. 
Well, you know, now it translates into me as I can go spend, you know, I can go do 16, 20 miles on the trail, like nothing. And that to me is just great because where I live, we've got waterfalls and last weekend of the trees, the colors and they're still this color now. I mean, That's it's so like cool. being, it's euphoric, the colors, the, the reds and the oranges and the yellows. And so I got to see three, four different waterfalls and walked. I mean, to me, like, that's what it's all about is the ability to get out and see things that only your two feet can take you to. So. Yep. No, and, and that maybe that's the, the key right there because trail running and trail it's, and that's the thing rucking rucking was usually in the woods or on trails and running was on the road and yeah. pavements just boring. Yeah, it is. I would agree with you on that. <laughs> hey, listen, if you've ever, if you've ever run a hundred miles, you're basically rucking because there's so much crap on your back. That it's not <laughs> I have a whole bunch of packs that I've had to load this, down. You got the, the, the stingers that you're, you're sucking down like <laughs> yeah. energy, give me carbohydrates. Yeah. And that diaper rash cream for the inevitable chafing. Oh and- yeah. Or a gel for the blisters. And- Man, I, re- I remember in Sopsy, we would, because holy cow, they were just crushing us. Because what they would do is they would, and now this was 2005, and they actually shut. There was an investigation after my class because they videotaped it. <laughs> and so, um, but they had a they had these two gig pits in a sand pit. It's cool, though, because I have the videos from, from my class. So I can look back on this. Um, but we were at the old World War II barracks out at Pike Field in, wow. at Fort Bragg. And what's funny is those things burned down in eight minutes. So if a fire <laughs> broke out, we're screwed. <laughs> but um, our, our SOPSI cadre were all diet, were all scuba guys. They were from scuba teams, which means they can run like a madman. My yeah. my instructor, Pack, he was our hut cadre. That dude had the highest PT score in the army. Um, they would take us on five mile runs at a sub six pace. Wow. It, like it was nothing. I mean, the guys were just stupid in shape, but what that would happen is everybody, everything has a, has a, as an SOP, has a standard, has a purpose, right? Inevitably people are, you, they got the wrong knot. They don't, they didn't check their knots. It came undone on the rock or what, whatever, right? They would find something, right? Cause people aren't taking care of their stuff mm-hmm. and we're tired. We're getting smoked every day. We're doing all the training and the classrooms. They, and they would give us gigs. And then they would take us to the gig pits to pay off the gigs. Well, the gig pits were just this standing water, like muck, right? <laughs> and they're just, I mean, they're smoking us in it. Then we get thrown in the sand pit. Well, mind you, in that gig pit, you've got guys puking. We found a dead raccoon. You think that water gets changed out? No. No. And so all of us, all of us had... So what they would do is they would smoke us in the water. They'd throw us in the sand pit. They'd smoke us in the water again. Then they'd make us throw our rucks on and we'd go ruck or we'd have to run or do whatever. Right. Well, so all of us are, you know, chafing. Everybody's got MRSA. Everybody's got cellulitis. (laughs) It was bad. And, but I mean, it was before every ruck, which we were rucking every day, we would have to, um, I mean, you just see the, the Vaseline come out and everybody's just mm-hmm. slapping Vaseline mm-hmm. on their thighs. I mean, it was, yeah. and it didn't care like how greasy it was because it was just like, dear heavens, this, please just let me get through this. It was, yeah. it, it was funny because a lot of people, when it comes to like schools, they say Sears school is the hardest and the one they don't want to do again, because you know, that's camp slappy. That's mm-hmm. the POW camp. You do, you, you evade from Friday morning till Monday morning. Oh. And the only thing you eat is the food you find. 
well, I'm a January class. There's no food you're finding. There, there is, <laughs> yeah. there is no plants. There's no roots to eat. So we're just hungry. Like we found a can of Copenhagen out in the woods somehow. And we're all like, oh dear God, this is so good. Thank you. <laughs> like, like we're just something for peace. And, uh, and then we found a dead dog that had been, we tried baking it or like just, I mean, over, we made a fire, we cooked the heck out of it and like, we couldn't even down it. It tasted like wet dog. And, oh. and, and, and we were like, we can't, we can't even do this. So like we had no food. Well, then you go into the, the, the whole, you get rounded up and then you go into the resistance training lab where it's the. POW, the mock POW camp. Everybody is like best school. I never want to do again. And <laughs> my buddy, I saw him. I was a little later in the course and this dude was like, he, he and this other guy came from Ranger Battalion and we called them the Con the Contra brothers. And so if everybody's <laughs> played the Nintendo game Contra, one's blonde, one's brunette and they're freaking yoked. That's these two. They were in stupid shape. They were just yoked dudes. And I saw him after Sear. I was out at, I was in the bathrooms out at McCall and this dude just looks haggard and he's lost a good, you know, 10, 15 pounds. And he walks up. I see him. He's like, Paul, I'm like, what's up, dude. He's like, it was horrible. <laughs> I was like, I would do ranger school twice before I did that again. And I was like, gee, many crying because ranger school is like two months and that's miserable. Yeah. But, uh, Sopsy. For me, I would say Sopsy. I would, I would, I would do Sear School over and over again before I ever went back to Sopsy because they just crushed our souls. But it was a little tangent, but that was just, it was kind of, it was a gut check though. Like, hey, how bad do you want it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, and that right there is what screws you mentally when you see all these and i'm sure everybody knows this that's gone through anything physically difficult you see the group of people like oh that dude's gonna crush it or you know and that's the dude that you see the people that really you feel should rise to the occasion or would do well and they just mentally don't have it and they yeah. quit yeah and that's what it, you hit the nail on the head it's mental it, you know yes there's a physical aspect to it obviously but what pushes you through the physical aspect is your mind and i mean that that's that's why the Bible teaches us over and over again, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because you know, the decisions we make, whether we're going to trust that God is good and put our faith in the word all begin to end with how we think about God and what we think, yeah. and what we believe. Yeah. Well, it, as you know, we'll, we'll wrap up this conversation by saying, you know, chafing the bad part about chafing isn't the actual chafing. It's the shower after the chafing. Holy cow. Yes. Oh my gosh. That hot water hits <laughs> so like, miserable. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you guys had this too with your packs, like your backs get chafed from your packs. And so you find chafing parts of your body. You didn't even know were chafed until you get yep. there. You're like, Oh my gosh, everything hurts. <laughs> oh man. And then the MRSA, like I said, we all had MRSA oh. and they, again, because we were just students, Scott Zastro, he was the head medic. The S the SOP was you bring a sock and that sock was for you to bite down on. Cause they weren't going to numb you up. And so they would just cut out all the MRSA and pack it. And I remember I had a, I ended up with an infection in my foot, in my toe mm -hmm. and he, uh, they sliced out the nail, dug out part of the skin 
and then um, cauterized it. And then I ended up with major cellulitis in my leg and they dug it out. Well, we squeezed it out. They dug it out with a scalpel and again, sock, right? So I've got this big scar in the middle of my shin because he freaking cauterizes it. So like, not only is he like gouged into my leg with this stupid scalpel, he then cauterizes the inside of it. And it was like, this is, this is the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, dad, gum. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has the same face I have right now, which is a face of sheer terror. And Paul's Paul's got a maniacal look on his face, by the way, for those of you who don't see the video versions of this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it's. I, I do have the videos. So if, if anybody's interested in seeing videos from Sopsy and just what, what went on back in 2005, or if anybody that listens was an SF or went through Sopsy and wants those videos, I've got them. I'll send them to you. So just email me, Paul at the Warriors Rising.com. So. <laughs> if, you're, if, you, if you're a demented person and you want to watch people suffer, Paul has footage for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I went through it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enough. Last one. Last one. And. It was, it was day one. Uh, it was zero day. Okay. So Sunday was zero day. Day one officially starts on that Monday. And it was uh, two hours of log PT, two hours of rifle PT. It was August in North Carolina. You know how hot and humid that yeah. place is. Yeah. Um, so two hours of log, two hours of rifle. And then they switched because half the group. And so we did another two hours of each and they did a five mile run. And dude, we had people going down as heat casualties. We had people having heat strokes, mm-hmm. like saw one dude go down and started seizing. And like the cadre was like, leave him. He's weak. Medic. It's like, I am going <laughs> to die here. <laughs> <laughs> that happens at many ultra marathons. There are many people oh, who, uh, yeah, don't hide. I am anything. sure. Yeah, I am sure. But well, again, it goes, but the cool thing is though, is that God, man, God sustained me through all that. Cause I could not, you know, it's funny because I, I could not have done that without him. And even though I was not living like I should have been, you know, I acknowledged him. There was always that pull towards him. And I can definitely look back at so many things in the Q course and just see the hand of God protecting me, taking care of me, helping me make very specific decisions on, on stuff I shouldn't have known to do, uh, uh, because I didn't have enough time in the military. So it was just, man, it just, it's so cool. Again, looking back, seeing how God brought me through everything and, and brought me to where I am today. And I'm sure as we all sit back and say that it's just like, it's all him. It's all him. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I can say the same thing. I wasn't really walking with the Lord at the time that I was doing all my ultra marathons because I did them, you know, week after week after week, I did right. 24 races in one year. Holy cow. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just, that's what I did. That was my life. And I remember I was, had 11 miles to go in a hundred mile race in North Carolina. It was stupid cold. It was the outer banks. And so it was just right on the ocean. It was early March. So it was still very much the dead of winter. And we started the race at like 4 a.m. So I was getting close to finishing up. It was some some around two o'clock in the morning and I had 11 miles left to go. So at that point, you're pretty toast. But, you know, you're 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 going to finish because you're 88 miles in, or in 89 miles into a race. You're not going to quit at that point. And it was so dark and so cold. My water was completely frozen on my pack. So I had no water because it was an ice block. And 
it was pitch black. I was by myself. I, I did, I wasn't running with anybody at that point. And I remember thinking, this is what hell it must be like, like this is <laughs> dark and cold. <laughs> and, Holy cow. And, and, but, but the Lord really got my attention. I still distinctly remember just that moment and thinking, is this really what I want for eternity? Like, be, because the way I was living at that time, that was the direction I was headed. And I, I was saved, but I was definitely not walking with the Lord, but you still question that, you know, you're not thinking about your salvation when you're not walking with the Lord at that moment. And I do remember the Holy Spirit just kind of meeting me there saying, yeah, is this what you want? Because this is the life that you're headed for, because it was devoid of anything full of life in that moment, you know? And, um, the funny thing was, was like an hour, hour or two later, I was almost finished. Like I could almost see the finish line. The sun was just starting to come up and a big black pickup truck pulled up and the guy's like, Hey, do you need a ride? <laughs> 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 I was like, no, I'm doing this on purpose. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but right. you, know, you know what? One thing when it comes to this is the dedication, right? The, the dedication to things that ultimately don't really matter. You know, yeah, uh, right. Paul says in Timothy that, uh, what is it? Physical fitness is of some value, pro- but, yeah. physical fitness profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Yeah. And when we look at, and it's not just from the physical fitness level, but the level and the amount which people will drive towards a goal and the discipline and how they will, I mean, even, even believers, right. For all the, all the, think about all the temporal things that we pursue and the amount of time and effort and energy and finances or material, whatever we, we put into those things in order to achieve this material goal that ultimately when we stand before the Lord, it's not going to matter. We're not going to care about those things yet when it comes to the discipline of pursuing the Lord and his calling or spending time, the discipline of just being in our Bible every day. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. Reading through the Bible in a year takes maybe 15 to 20 minutes a day, maybe, you know, I I would say it's usually about a 15 minute read. And yet it's funny because we, I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm just starting it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of breaking myself in. It's like breaking yourself in is you, it's, it's not about breaking yourself in. It's like, you have to make a decision. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then you mm-hmm. set it, you yeah. put it down on paper, whatever, right? You, you make it a discipline of pursuing the Lord, of spending time in prayer, of spending time in your word, because you guarantee you don't think, oh, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to break myself into social media or whatever other entertainment I'm going to give myself today. I'm not saying don't have rest. I'm not saying don't have go into that nothing box, you know, yeah. and and all men listening, know what I'm talking about with the nothing box, <laughs> but you know, you know, and so, you know, and that, and again, it goes back to what God really hammered me for on so many different issues. Like if I'm willing to do all these things for my team, why am I not willing to do these things for my wife? If I'm willing to do all this in pursuit of mission for the military so that I am an asset to my team, you know, I always taught my guys and what I always t- asked myself was how do I earn my spot on the team today? What can I do to serve my team and make it help us to accomplish the mission? Because I never wanted to get that thought process in my mind of I've made it. I don't need to work. I don't need to do. I, I wanted to be an asset and I wanted to, because in, in group reputation is everything. Mm-hmm. And even though I might've have issues with leadership, which I did many a time, I, always had a good reputation with my team. Mm -hmm. So, but if I was willing to do all that, 
again, why would I not be willing to drive full force towards Christ, towards his calling, towards like, I didn't want to sit through this training this last week, you know, for however many hours, but I did it. Right. And not, not a, not a pat on myself on the back, but just a literal like, Hey, that's, that was what is required. Right. Mm -hmm. Right now, God's got me kind of in a season of preparing as I'm building this through the Bible course and teaching as I'm, you know, going through this Greek. It's just, it's what has to be done. Right. And you just, you're not going to feel it. You just got to put that nose down, put the head down and move forward and do what you know you're supposed to do. And that's, you know, it's one of those things with social media. The biggest thing as I talk to everybody, the biggest problem is the social media. It's just, it's a time suck. And, you know, or I like to look at this as like, you know what, is it adding value to your life? You know, really when we look at it, I mean, I'm, I realize I'm, I'm not old yet, but I am 39. I'm turning 40 next year. I've still got, unless the Lord comes back tons, you know, inshallah, I've got at least another 50 years in me, hopefully, but mm-hmm. you know, I, none of us are promised one more minute. So why would I want to spend that time wasted flipping my thumbs, you know, yeah, just on the freaking dead scroll? It, well, it, it accomplishes nothing. And yeah. when you remove these things, you find that time to do all these other things that you wanted to do. It's, it's, it, at this point, I, I feel like it's just a straight vampire. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't value time. <clears throat> and that's a problem because it's a non renewable resource in our life. In other words, we only get what we get. We can't make more of it. And so we don't manage it well. But, you know, something interesting, Paul happened. So I was in lost wages this past week for work, which is just like, as a Christian, it's, it's just gross. Like there's nothing there for me at all. I hate it. I hated being there. Thankfully my work conference was great. So I was able to pull apart from that a little bit, but had a really interesting experience on the way there. So my husband came with me. I I didn't want to go to Sin City without my better half with me. So thankfully he he came with me on the trip and I was sitting in the middle. He was sitting on the aisle and I was sitting next to the guy on the window seat and he was an older gentleman at first blush, you know, seems like a normal family guy. Uh, he was there, he was going to Las Vegas because his son was playing in a golf tournament and his wife was at home. And, and then he gets on his iPad and in the biggest font possible, have you ever like been in a situation where you don't really want to read what somebody's putting on a screen, but it's so big and it's yes. possible not to see. Yes. And you're like, dude was the sickest SOB I have ever. I mean, he was sitting there typing out a fantasy that he was going to go live out with a woman in a brothel and oh it was disgusting. Gosh. It was disgusting, Paul. And as I was sitting there, I'm trying so hard not to see it. I'm working on my computer, so I can't help but see it in my peripheral vision. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, if people are sick, this is what this is what sin does to people. And the fantasies, and he went on to talk about how much he was going to spend and this whole thing. And when I got done with my work, the Holy Spirit just, and I always do this anyway, get your Bible and get it out and start reading it. And so I- yeah slap my laptop closed. I put my Bible out and the Holy Spirit just said to me, I want you, I want you in my word until he closes that iPad up and stops this. And I was like, all right. And I've been in that situation and you could feel the spiritual battle going on 
while I was in there just into me, it was, you know, I, I wanted to be in God's word anyway. I mean, you know, it's such a privilege yeah. to be able to do that. And so I was just, I read through the book of Revelation. I read through the book of Ephesians, <laughs> you know, I read through <laughs> Ezekiel because I was not putting my, I was not closing my Bible. But what was very fascinating is at the very end, I, I looked up and I could see he was writing about me reading my Bible. And he put whoever he was writing this letter to, the girl next to me has her Bible open, LMAFO, and, you know, something like that. And so it had an impact on him. And yeah. I wasn't doing it for that reason. I was doing it because the Holy Spirit just explicitly, and I always would, I would read my Bible anyway on the flight. That's what I do when I have an early flight like that. But, you know, you know Paul, I can just tell you after being in that situation that it's, you and I harp on this, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. You know, we do that because Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds right. from the mouth of God. It's transform it's transformative. But I can tell you that I also there was a spiritual battle that occurred the minute I decided to open that word and sit in that posture next to this disgusting, vile man who was depraved beyond all manner of deprivation. And I won't repeat the things he was writing on there. Yeah. But um it, it gave me a huge appreciation. And I think you can understand this when you've been walking with the Lord for so long and there's just a big separation between you and the world. And, you know, we're not watching TV. We're not involved. We're not engaging in that stuff. When you see somebody who thinks that's normal and that's the way to live and you see the death of sin attached to that and the depravity that it leads to, it gave me such an appreciation for the sanctity and the holiness of God. It, it's something that when you look at yourself, you see it and, and, you know, there's a part of you that cries out, oh my gosh, you know, I'm such a wretched sinner. Right. But, then you see what you would have been if it were not for the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. And you, and then it, I, it caused me to even go into a greater posture of thank you, Lord, for rescuing me, because that's the path that I would be on. Probably not as sick as that dirty old man, but that's not the point. The point is that sin would be dominating my life and I would be destined for having to go to Las Vegas for a weekend to cheat on my wife and live out did vile fantasies with a poor girl at a brothel who sold herself into this as her means of living. It was anyway, I'll quit on my monologue, but it was, um, it was, well, we're all, you know, the thing is, I mean, really we're no better and we're no different apart from Christ. Exactly. You know what I mean? It just plays point, itself yeah. out in different ways. So, you know, we can say, Oh, it's so horrible. So terrible. It's like, yeah, but we've all done absolutely horrible and terrible things to other people, even as Christians. Right. I mean, gossip, gossip is completely destructive. And while it may not be physically destroying somebody, it can severely damage a person, you know? And, and so sin, sin, sin destroys. Yeah. That's just the fact of the matter is. And even though we can say, oh, it's vile, it's terrible, it's awful. Yeah. But like, man, we've all been vile and terrible and awful apart from Christ. And right. when we see who we truly are apart from him and the things we're capable of, because it's ultimately just feeding the flesh. It's just whatever the flesh wants, we're going to give it. And then we're going to get, that's, I mean, that was, uh, what was his name? He was that serial killer. Dad gummit. Can't think Jeffrey of his name. Dahmer. Not Jeffrey Dahmer. Although Jeffrey Dahmer was an interesting, interesting one um, because he said that his atheism uh, was why he had no issues doing what he did because he felt, I mean, we're all just a cosmic accident. Like none of this mm -hmm. actually matters. So right. why not do what I want to do? But it was, oh my goodness. I wish I could remember his name, but either way. So Chuck Swindoll, I believe it was, went and saw him the day before he died. And one of the things that he talked about was the um, pursuit of, as he pursued pornography, right? Started simple. Mm -hmm. And then he just kept going and going and going. 
And as you know, obviously not everybody, this occurs with everybody. He said there wasn't one person in that jail, that that's not where it's, it did. It always right. started with that because the flesh, the flesh wants more. It wants, it doesn't really matter. And so the more you feed the flesh, the more it's going to want. It's just like any other addiction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going back to what we kind of talked about with this, with time, you know, in Ephesians, it says, uh, Ephesians five. Oh, let me pull it out real quick. Nope. Um, so it says, uh, wherefore he says, awake thou that sleep and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I'm in Corinthians. That's why I'm screwing up here. But <laughs> I was like, why can I not e. find this? One starts with an E. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, because my mind went much, when you're talking with well Greek. in First Corinthians. Yeah, it, when, when it comes to for well, I've been up since three thirty, so that that's not helping. But so in First in First Corinthians five, when it talks about you know who are we to judge the world, but we judge inside the church, right? Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're not. There's nothing. There's no standard really for them to really no. go by. Yeah. We, how can you hold them to a standard of the scriptures or whatever? But in uh, it says, see that you then walk circumspectly, not as foolish, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, this idea of the time, redeeming our time, mm-hmm. God, you only got so many heartbeats. You only got so much time. You're only going forward. You can never go back. Yeah. And I'm sure all of us have those plenty of times when we wish we could go, it would say, I, I wish I could do that over. I wish I would have done this instead of that. Right. And I mean, the best time to start is now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, yeah. The, no, the best, what was it? The best time to start is yesterday. yesterday. The second best time is to start today. Yeah. So, you know, and man, I, I've, I struggle. I'm not going to lie on that. You know, there are, there are definitely times that I struggle with, with not wanting to just do the things that I need to do. And what makes it, I, I'm, I do a lot better when I've got somebody be like, all right, here, here's the mission, go do this. But when I'm a solo guy, in a sense, in a, a lot of ways that I am, it, it's much more difficult for me. And I have to kind of be like, all right, God, I really don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like making TikToks, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to make the TikTok. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I can't stand TikTok, but which all of you have heard probably for the millionth time. Yeah. But I make the TikTok. So, <laughs> but so we're going to get moving into our Psalms. Can we hit the two? Um, the, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So just as a quick FYI, Lena, and if, for those of you that don't know who Lena is, she's the graphic designer that makes our logos and keeps Paul and I looking like we don't work in our basements, which we do. She's awesome. <laughs> she is awesome. She puts together the Christianity is true website. She put together the warriors rising website. She put together made to conquer podcast website. She put together t-shirts, uh, both a male and female version or a gender neutral. I, I actually ordered the warriors rising version on our website. Now, just so you guys know, we're not making money on these t-shirts. This is not a, I mean, there's a small margin in there and that just helps us cover the cost of, of all the things that go into 
you know, keeping these things going. And it also gives us the opportunity when the Holy Spirit leads to be able to bless, you know, ministries or people as the Lord leads. So Paul and I are not taking money from this business. Nobody's taking money from this. It's not a business. Business is a bad term, but I just wanted to clarify that. So anyway, on these two shirts they're you know, I stand for Israel. I pray for Israel shirts. They're on the made to conquer podcast website in the shop. Any, any, you know, margin that we have built into that is going to go to behold Israel. And part of the reason why we chose that chose them is first of all, Amir Safati does a great job keeping us up to date on what the Bible says about what's going on right now, the, the Middle East news, because he's in Israel right now, but also he's got, they're, they're doing humanitarian work. They're, they're get, making sure that Israeli families that suffered as a result of the massacre on the seventh and those that are in need are being taken care of. So uh, if you want to get the t-shirts are really great. If you want to get those, I just wanted to let you know that. And we do have make heaven crowded kits in stock. If there has ever been a time when it is important to make sure that you know how to talk about Jesus and share the gospel and have tools to share the gospel. Uh, now is that time. I think I told you, Paul, I was fortunate in that, uh, this conference I went to, I found all the Jews in <laughs> that corner of them and started talking about, <laughs> about, about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. About Jesus. And let me tell you what's going on. Ezekiel 38's around the corner. 36 and 37 was fulfilled. That was the Holocaust. Do you want to know why the Holocaust happened? Deuteronomy 28. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, warning them because, you know, Paul, we've talked about this before. Only one third of the Jews survive and my heart breaks for the, you know, God's chosen people. And I told them that you are God's chosen people. Get to know your scriptures. Your Messiah has come. Don't miss this opportunity because what's coming, you don't want to be here for evacuate with us. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah and, and that's, that's such a big thing is that they don't know the scriptures because they rely on the rabbis, you know, and this goes back even to first century. So when you read in Matthew, understanding the first century Jewish context of the gospels and, and what's going on, when they say this man preaches with authority, right? Not like the scribes and the, and the elders. So the reason that he says that the scribes and the Pharisees, the reason that he says that is because they would quote that they would draw their authority from previous rabbis. So like such and such rabbi quoted such and such rabbi said, you know, and so they, they got the authority and that goes back to the formation of the oral oral traditions by the first century with Ezra and the school of the Sepharim to teach the people the law. And as the school developed over the years, they felt there were holes within the law. So they would add right, through through right discussion and logic, they would decide by majority vote what basically laws were important or what to enact in order to. So like if the law was, hey, don't touch your hand on this desk. All right. So don't touch your hand on the desk. That's the law. Well, then they would you know say, well, if you enter the room and you trip and fall, you would hit your hand on the desk, therefore breaking the law. So you cannot enter the room. Yeah. And that's yeah. how, so that that's basically what they did. And that's the logic that they used. And so they built a fence around the law. And over time, uh, what occurred, a software could disagree with the software, but he could not disagree with the Torah. Well, then the Tanaim came along and basically a Tana could disagree with a Tana, but he could not disagree with the software. So therefore, the rules of the sophirim became sacrosanct and and basically canonized. So that's kind of, and that's where like this rabbi said and this rabbi said, and so they would draw on the authority of the rabbis versus Jesus, who comes along and says, I, "You've heard it said, but this 
pointing them back to the Torah, pointing them back to the righteous requirements mm-hmm. of the law and the true heart of, of the Torah. So, and that kind of, it's still that way today. They, they look yeah. at the rabbis, they look at the writings of, of them and that's who they, that's where they draw the authority from. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them don't know the scriptures. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, well, a lot of Christians, right? Let's, let's be honest. A lot of Christians will quote people or say, well, this person says, yeah. you know, yeah. versus just the Bible. Yeah. When, when people, you know, who are, are, um, trying to uphold reformed theology and replacement theology, you know, they, they can't quote scriptures. And so they just start quoting Augustine or Ka- John Calvin. And I'm like, and there's your problem. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you or well, yeah, they, they use philosophical arguments for it or the scriptures that they do use are completely taken out of context or ignore yeah. the re- what the rest of scripture right? this this is a problem you can't develop an idea within a single verse you have to look at the whole of scripture and see how the idea is developed um yes. within the whole text of scripture yeah. you know it's like a jesus dying for all right um they would obviously under calvinism you have um oh my goodness limited atonement where jesus only died for the elect right and there's a whole slew of issues with this. And they'll point to verses like Mark, is it Mark? I can't remember, Mark or Matthew. And he says, you know, he he died for, for many. And well, that word many, so he died for many. He doesn't say all. It's like, well, no, but really the word in the Greek just means a great vast number. It's more about extent of amount versus a limited, a limited, like it's completely ignoring what's actually being stated there. But then they'll ignore, you know, it, that the, there will be false teachers, just as there are false prophets among those days um, mm-hmm. in Second Peter 2, 2, where it says, even deny, they're, they're going to deny the Lord that bought them. Yeah. Well, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says that you were bought with a price. <laughs> Same word. So yeah. he bought us and he bought them. And then they go through this logic of like, well, you, so he would, they, they were bought, but they weren't released from freedom to freedom. It's, it's all this crazy stuff. Right. Um, I think my favorite is the uh, with regeneration preceding face, the point to Lydia and say, well, see, God opened Lydia's heart to to listen to what Paul was saying. And she believed the gospel. So there's your regeneration. It's like, but there's a problem because based in Calvinism and based on that, everybody's a rejecter of God prior to being regenerated. But then it says she was a worshiper of God. And then God opened her heart. So which is it? It can't be both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyways, I, I waxed long on this subject because no, I spent well, years stuck on it. It's a very frustrating one for me. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, another frustrating one. And then we should get on to our Psalms is the Torah keepers. They just conveniently rip the book of Galatians out of the Bible. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did you miss the entire book of the Bible dedicated to refuting that terrible belief system? Right. <laughs> like, and it's God, God foresaw you knuckleheads enough that he gave you an entire book. <laughs> yeah. Well, now the big thing on TikTok right now is, is weird that, you know, I, I put out that how Israel is still chosen. I did develop, I developed the theology through the old Testament and the new Testament. And of course they're pointing to Romans two twenty eight. He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, but is one inwardly Galatians three, right? There's neither Jew nor Gentile. It's like, well, if you're trying to say that you're the true Jews now, but then Galatians says that your there is neither Jew nor Greek. Well, then that's this that the whole argument's defeated to say you're the true Jew, but then there is no Jew, right? In Christ, you know, and that's and again, it, it's that's the details of the text. You have to take the time 
to study what all does the text have to say about this subject. Notice the details. Is there a difference, right? Is there a difference between tribulation saints and the church? Is there a difference between Old Testament saints and the body of Christ? You know, and, and so understand it. Like an example would be Luke 21 and Matthew 24, right? Yeah. Most people don't realize Luke 21 is not the Olivet Discourse. Right, right. It takes place it, at the temple. It takes place at the temple. Yes. Matthew 24 and Mark 13 are the Olivet Discourse. Yes. And there is so much confusion about what, and preterists, this is where preterists get stuck, mm-hmm. not understanding the details. That detail of the fact that Luke 21 takes place at the temple gives the signs and then says, or the things that are not really signs, he says, mm-hmm. but before all these. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Matthew 24 says, then shall they. So you're talking about two completely different time periods here. Yet that, yes. that detail makes a massive difference on what Jesus is saying and the questions he is answering that the disciples ask. And that's why I am, you know, again, it's just like context, 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 details, 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 because I say it all the time. Details will get you killed. Yeah. Details will get you killed and they'll get other people killed. So, yeah. Well, and, and that's, this is where, you know, Chuck Missler was such a great Bible teacher in that is that he took the time to, to point out that nuance and, you know, just to that point in a related sense, one of the points that Nancy Missler makes in the way of agape is that the word agape in the Greek only ever shows up in the Bible. And so we can use the Bible to define the word agape because it's the only context for that word. But if you don't understand where agape shows up in the scripture versus phileo versus eros, then you can miss the context of what's really being said there. And that detail makes a difference, which is one of the reasons I believe that you're studying Greek right now, because uh, the detail in the difference in the Greek definitions versus often how it's translated can make all the difference in a passage. Yeah. Well, like, so like Jesus died once for all, you know, people, it, you could think, oh, he died for all, but that's not what that's saying. It's dealing with the fact that it was a, as a one-time thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? And, yeah. and, and so yeah. it sounds like once for all people, but really it's, it's dealing like once for all, it, it's, it's a completed one-time thing not to be done again. Yeah. So Alrighty. anyway, well, done nerd now you and i wax along all right so do you want to go first with your psalm yes psalm 124 it had if it had not been for the lord who was on our side let israel now say if it had not been for the lord who was on our side when men rose up against us then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us then the waters would have overwhelmed us the stream would have gone over our soul then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul blessed be the lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Mm, Amen. All right. Psalm 103. This is a Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and do not forget all his kind deeds. He who forgives all of your iniquities and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with loving devotion and compassion, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord execute righteousness. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love in loving devotion. 
He will not always accuse us, nor harbor his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving devotion for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he is mindful that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he blooms like a flower in the, of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is remembered no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the loving devotion of the Lord extends to those who fear him and his righteousness to their children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels, mighty in strength, who carry out his word, who hearken, the, who hearken to the voice of his command. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, you servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Good stuff. I love Good that one. Stuff. As far as the east is from the west. Thank God. I know, right? Holy cow. <laughs> so it has been uh, a week, uh, <laughs> as you guys know, and it's probably not going to get much better. <laughs> it's, no. Uh, we just, it is what it is. So starting out, the House passes a $14.3 billion Israel aid package, which will promptly die in the Senate. The House Republicans on Thursday passed their version of a $14.3 billion aid package for Israel, which apparently needs the money in its war with Hamas. The bill proposes to make an equivalent $14.3 billion cut to IRS funding. I have no issues with that. Yeah, exactly. In order to offset the expense, the measure passed. Um, however, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that the deeply flawed proposal wouldn't even be taken up by the chamber. Instead, Schumer has vowed to work with senators on both sides of the aisle on a package that would give U.S. tax dollars to Israel, Ukraine, humanitarian aid in Gaza, which is going straight to Hamas, yeah. and competition with the Chinese government, whatever that means. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, we don't have money. Like, I, I'm all about supporting Israel. I am about helping them. I'm about standing with them. But let's be honest, we broke. We, when you actually look at the, I think it's the unpaid annuities, when you look at the actual twin debts, which nobody talks about, we are in the, is it, it's like hundreds of trillions mm -hmm. of dollars. Mm -hmm. it, it's something mm -hmm. insane of money that we owe. Yeah. And when Weimar Republic type stuff hits, where your money is worthless, it is instantaneous. It, yeah. it is not a slow progression. It just starts and then rocket shots. So yeah. it's just a matter of time before, you know, but of course, then this goes into the introduction of C central bank digital currencies, a global digital currency to take care of all this stuff. And if we all nuke each other, ain't none of this going to matter anyway. Yeah, I but, was going to say, the only way we can really quickly get to a one world currency is just to crash every other currency. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty <laughs> yeah. much. But this is, you know, I mean, I'm all about supporting Israel. And, you know, people can argue, well, we need to send them money. We need to do this and that. But like, I'm also like, well, we have no money. We're broke. I am about cutting money to the IRS, of course. Yes, yes. I was going to say, <laughs> there's a, plenty of things that we could defund, like, Planned Parenthood, the IRS. Yes. <laughs> we could find money very easily by just not funding terrible things. 
All right, 187,000 migrants apprehended at the border in the first month of New Year. 30,000 more got away. Agents assigned to the nine Southwest Border Patrol sectors apprehended more than 187,000 migrants during October, according to documents reviewed by Breitbart, Texas. This is the fourth consecutive month that agents have apprehended more than 130,000 migrants. In addition to the more than 187,000 apprehensions, agents reported more than 30,000 migrants known as gotaways. This is a conservative estimate of migrants observed crossing the border, but not apprehended by agents. The unofficial report revealed the Tucson sector had the most apprehensions. More than 55,000 migrants were apprehended in this sector alone. This is up from 51,000 in September. One year ago, agents in the sector apprehended less than 23,000 migrants. This represents a year-over-year -year increase of 149% over the prior October. The Del Rio sector followed Tucson with the apprehension of approximately 38,000 migrants. This is down slightly from the nearly 43,000 migrants apprehended in October 2022 and is up significantly from the 28,000 apprehended in 2021. The Rio Grande Valley, San Diego and El Paso sectors rounded out the top five sectors with approximately 32,000, 29,000 and 22,000 respectively. The Rio Grande Valley and San Diego sectors are up significantly from prior October reports. Along the Canadian border, the Swanton sector continues its spike in migrant apprehensions. Agents in the sector that cover the Canadian border in eastern New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire apprehended more than 1,000 migrants for the first month of fiscal year 2024. This is up by nearly 200% over October of 2022 and is roughly equal to the apprehensions for the entire fiscal year 2022. So let me ask this, how many people fit in a typical like a, um, football stadium? Oh, I have no idea. I but I can I tell you... I I just took the number. So that 187 plus 30,000 over 12 months. And that's the ones that they're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not including the thousands upon thousands that they're not seeing, but even just those that are known is 2,600,000 a year, 2,600,000 a year. That's the size of Chicago. That's the population of Chicago. That is more than the population of Houston, more than the population of Phoenix, Philadelphia, San Antonio, San Diego, Dallas, Austin, Jacksonville. The only cities bigger are Los Angeles and California. Yeah. And and so I just looked it up. Um, 30 stadiums have 60,000 spectators. Um, 17 have 70,000 and eight have 80,000. So this is, guys, this is more than than a football stadium worth of people coming in. This is astronomically huge. We is, are. It's an invasion. Yeah. We are, we are, this is going to change the landscape. Now, the next story is why I wanted to focus on this because they are, and they're finding, they're arresting, and they are allowing and releasing them uh, illegal immigrants from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. multiples and some of them have been on major terror watch lists uh illegal immigrants from the middle eastern countries have been caught and arrested by border patrol agents in the united states mexico border since the start of the month a cause of concern in light of the hamas terror attack in israel according to a republican senator however this is this has been going on for quite a while yeah. and even i remember back in 2012 what we were tracking was these camps of middle eastern men and they were training camps they were actually conducting militia type training back then, and nobody was doing anything about it. 
Uh, Senator Steve Daines of Montana visited the Rio Grande Valley in southern Texas Wednesday to learn how people were traveling through sometimes more than a dozen countries to get to the United States and was alarmed by the number of people coming into the country, particularly those who could not be chased down. Since the 1st of October, Border Patrol agents have apprehended apprehended individuals from Afghanistan, Algeria, Bahrain, Bangladesh, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Iraq, Jordan, Kazakhstan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Libya, Malaysia, Morocco, South Korea, Oman, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, Tajikistan, Tunisia, Turkey, Uzbekistan, Yemen. Uh, And this is just in the last 10 days. Concern over the threat of terrorism has grown since the weekend's terrorist attacks in Israel by Hamas militants who killed more than a thousand Israelis, um, as well as rape, tortured, beheaded women and infants during the hours long attack. Along with the deaths in Gaza, the toll has reached 1800 lives lost, including 11 Americans. Now, the concern, obviously, with this is sleeper cells, which we do know is occurring. Now, one of the things that we need to look at is how Islam actually works. There is, and you need to understand Quranic warfare and the types of jihad. Um, When it comes to jihad, there's basically six main types of it. There is by tongue, uh, that's speech, right? Talking, talking about Islam. There's by pen, writing, um, immigration, uh, and this is what's going on here and in Europe. Europe's seeing it really bad. You saw this marches in Paris. We saw it in uh, the UK and London with, I think it was like a 900,000 person march for Hamas in support mm-hmm. of Palestine and Gaza. Um, basically, uh, they don't immigrate for a better life. It's a form of gradual occupation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what most people don't realize is every mosque is an embassy. It, it is not just a religious place like a church. Mm-hmm. Um, they do it by finances. Uh, in one's being, obviously, they would say, oh, you know, we we it's our struggle. We fight against ourselves. It's a war against ourselves. And it, then it's by sacrifice. Um, that's the, the suicide bombings, the homicide bombings. And always remember, migration and immigration precedes jihad by sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It helps to man- dismantle and, and really work to annihilate the existing socio-political system of a non-Muslim society. That's uh, the uh, Sheikh uh, Qadarwi in his fatwa from 2005, he said, Islam will rule and be Lord of the world. Europe will be occupied. Christians will be defeated. And then uh, uh, Nashmadin uh, Erbakan, uh, he was an, the ex quote unquote moderate <laughs> Turkish prime minister. He says, you think we Muslim Turks come here only for employment and to gather the crumbs of your money? No, we are coming here to take control of your country and by being rooted here and then building what we see as appropriate and all that with your consent and according to your laws. And there was a, uh, there's a back in, where did they find this? The Muslim Brotherhood, uh, you can look it up called The Project and I might just put this up on the site, Uh, but it was back um, it was a translation. Um, it was first published back in 2005. It's based on the French text of the project published in Sylvania Besson. Um, and basically it lays out a whole plan by the Muslim Brotherhood. And this is back in 1982. This was written mm-hmm. and it was a plan laid out step by step on a worldwide strategy for Islamic policy and invasion and overtaking. Mm-hmm. By Islamic by of Islam, so this is a this is a long game that they've been playing 
So we shouldn't be surprised that we've seen the number of illegal immigrants in mass start to become or start to start to we shouldn't be surprised that we start to see so many Middle Easterners, so many is Islamic people coming in and they're all military age males. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing they're talking. They're not bringing their families. They're not bringing their kids. Mm-hmm. It's all military age males, males. Um, there was a video I saw recently and it was a ton of Chinese military age males mm-hmm. coming into the country through the Southern border. Yeah, there, there are reasons for this, but you know, it, it's what is coming is not going to be fun. And it's only a matter of time before this pops off here. Well, on that note, Paul, we, I actually, we, you know, we have a lady, a made to conquer, uh, private telegram channel for the ladies that have attended pastor treats where we kind of talk about things. And one of the girls, you know, she just, she just found out she's pregnant and she's, you know, scared. She says, what should we be doing to prepare? How will, you know, what, what can I do with all of this? I'm scared. So I think we should take a second to address that before we move on to the next story. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it, (laughs) One one of the things, obviously, if you're looking from it, prepare. There's different ways of preparing, right? right? You can prepare prepare material goods. You can get things that are not gonna uh, go bad in a yeah, yeah perish quickly. Uh, you've got food store companies, which I mean, when you look at them, most of it's just carb loads. You're, yeah. you're eating two thousand supplies. Stuff like Patriot that. supplies, yeah. just yeah. like nothing but carbs. Yeah. But you could stock up. Like I know it ain't good. But sardines, sardines last mm-hmm. a very long time in that can. Yeah. So, you know, you could buy canned, canned food, canned chicken, uh, canned tuna, one, canned, tuna um, canned vegetables, canned pumpkin. I mean, there's there's things when you actually look at their dates, they last a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, rice, buy bags of rice, throw them in the freezer for two days and then bucket them. It's a cheap way to, you know, there's, but then also when you're looking at, um, the problem is you can live in a, a state of fear, yeah, right? You can yeah. allow these stories to really be like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything. I've got to blow all my cash and get everything. There's nothing wrong with preparing. Right. There's nothing wrong with preparing. There's nothing wrong with building up some food stores. There is a problem with running the store, freaking out, blowing thousands and thousands of dollars and just being like grabbing it all. Because guess what? That starts the panic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. One person starts doing that and then other people do it. And then because then- I mean, that's how it always happens. We see that we saw this back in COVID. Like it initially started with just a couple of people probably. However, if people would not have done that, there still would have been plenty to go around. Yes. There still would have been plenty to go around. But, you know, it, it's, but when you're out in public areas, like just kind of be aware, right? You're always, I mean, I'm always looking around at what's going on around me. Always going to do that. I always know where the exits are, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, depending on, you know, again, I don't know the threat level of your city or where you're at, right? But, you know, it, if you're out in Wyoming, you probably don't have to worry too much. Nebraska, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm out in the county. I probably don't have too much to worry about. Yeah. But still, it's not a bad thing to, you know, know, know where the exits are. Know the the people around you from the standpoint of like just always taking in that data. Uh, be, know how to shoot a gun, get classes, get training. There's, I'm all about, cause the thing is, is like, you can have a gun, but you ain't shooting. You ain't going to shoot yeah. when it comes time, right? You're going to panic. You're going to lock up and you've got fog of war. And when, 
the bullets start flying, especially that first time where something crazy is happening, unless you're actually trained to react, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna do what everybody does, and that's freeze. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a few different that, that that's that's the best way. I would say to prepare is, you know, start slowly building up some food stores. Cause if Mm -hmm. something pops off, obviously you're going to have issues with getting food. I think that's just a smart thing to do. Um, Weapons all about pistols. I understand like, but if you can get a gun, you need to train with it and you need to train with it (laughs) consistently. So, and even dry firing is a, just make sure you've removed the source of feed, made sure it's clear and then dry fire it. Yeah. Just so you yeah. can practice that trigger pull. Um, and just if you're in public, just be aware of what's going on around you. Know where the exits are. Take Always take those things in. If you can sit where you can see the exits and the doors. I, I always do that. I do not like, I do not like not being able to see the, the doors. And I do not like having people behind me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice. And then I'll throw in here what Jesus says about this too, if I may, from Matthew chapter six. Go for it. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into the barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field. Excuse me. Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O of O you of little faith? You therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. So I think you're right. Just at basic preparation, be wise, be aware of the fact that yes. our country's changing, that the world's going to change. I mean, you know, we're, we're not, we're not doing this just to make you afraid. We're doing this just to help instill some wisdom. And also, I mean, after the rapture, at least you can feed some families. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. Um, but, but, you know, but yeah, like Paul said, get some perishable, get some non-perishables, get some canned goods. Learn how to use a weapon and defend yourself. You should know how to do that anyway, because even without sleeper cells in our country, you know, we're all vulnerable to attack. We're watching this happen in, a, you know, an increase. We knew that wars and rumors of wars that, you know, that there was going to be, ter- you know, tumultuous times. I mean, what this, even though we're not going to be here for this, but the second rider, you know, the second seal, the second, the red horse comes what to take peace away from the earth and, and cause people to kill each other. So we knew that violence was going to be something that dominates the end times. So just be prepared, be aware, like Paul said. But also, you know, give it to the Lord, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then these things will take care of themselves. So, you know, I think the first place to start is on your knees, <laughs> praying about it, giving it to the Lord, and then execute some basic wisdom. It's not hard. Like you said, Paul, go to the grocery store. Every time you go to the grocery store, throw a couple extra cans and a couple, a bag of rice in your shopping cart. And, yep. and before you know it, you'll have enough to take care of yourself. You know, should that need come? And if not, like I said, you get to bless a family that needs to know Jesus during the tribulation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know that's easier said than done when it comes to the fear thing. But what's interesting is that prior to Israel popping off, I had multiple people saying that my sister, my buddy, John, just saying, I, I just feel like something's bad's going to happen. I just feel like something's bad, but I have a peace about it. I just have yeah. a peace about it. And it's just, you know, and that that's the thing. The more time you spend with him, the more peace you're going to have in these situations. 
And yeah. that's just that that's just the way it works. It, it it seems so simple. And it is. That's yeah. the crazy thing, right? <laughs> it, yeah. it, it it really is simple solutions to these problems. More time with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and you know, cast uh cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you, right? Yeah. Uh be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication. Let your quest be made known to God and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds of Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. This is so when we are really allowing this fear to come up within us, then we're not we need to really check ourselves and where we are in in what we're putting our trust in. Yep. Exactly. But I can definitely understand like the the fear of like with kids. You know, it's one thing for me to go to war, it's another thing for my my family to have to experience it. And I think everybody's like that. Yeah. yeah um, absolutely. So right, but that's that's going on the home front right now. Russia has says that Israel has no right to defend itself against Hamas. Uh, and that was a Russia's representative to the UN. Amazing because the UN is so pro Israel. Uh, the US and its allies are hypocritical for talking about Israel's alleged right for self-defense, which as an occupying state, it does not have, as was confirmed by the UN's International Court of Justice consultative uh, consultative ruling in 2004. So basically they're saying that Israel, the Jews are an occupying power that they need to give all that land back to Palestine. Hence why, when you hear the Palestinians say from, uh, Jordan to the sea, Palestine will be free. What that means is we're going to wipe out all the Jews, yeah. destroy them, no land for them. And then that that's what they're talking about. They're talking mass genocide. Yeah. Um, Ambassador uh, Vasily uh, Nebenzia told a UN General Assembly spe uh, special session on the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, Israel did declare war on Hamas after the attacks in Gaza. Um, let's see. Yep. So Article 51 of the UN Charter against any threat coming. Oh, sorry. Um, the atrocities include rapes, beheadings, burnings, mutilations, torture, desecration of corpses and they're trying people trying to say that this did not happen um basically they actually allowed people to see the hamas footage uh reporters and i, I think there were some government officials and you can watch the videos people were walking out and sick or yeah. just they they yeah. were losing it because it was so horrific the things that they were seeing and mostly it was due to what they were doing to the children yeah. The ICJ's, the International Court of Justice 2004 advisory opinion stated that Israel could not invoke an inherent right to defend itself under Article 51 of the UN Charter against any threat coming from an occupied territory that Israel controls. However, and this is the however, Israel ceded control of the Gaza Strip in 2005 and is governed by the Hamas terrorist organization, which was which is sworn to destroy Israel. So Israel is not an occupying power of Gaza. Yeah. So this is completely nullified yeah well and and just this plays nicely into the next article that we're going to read but this is the thing yep. i got i got to tell you what like my patience is very thin and and this is not a this is not a good thing this is something the holy spirit's been kind of kicking my butt on but my patience is very thin for quote unquote christians who are calling jews nazis right now for defending yep. themselves because the pr first issue is that they're they're regurgitating palestinian propaganda and that, you know, and, and so the, my response to them is, okay, so you're okay with people putting a baby in an oven and baking it alive. You know, that happened on the 10th, right? That's who you're defending. Yeah. That's who you're defending. And I want you to understand that if you're going to call the Jews, the Nazis in this case, you're defending people who put a baby in an oven and cooked it alive. While it was torturing its parents. Yes. So they could hear it crying. I mean, this is, these are, these are, this is, this is disgusting beyond a whole new level of disgusting. And, and I, I just pity you the day you stand before Jesus when you defended that disgusting, vile 
there's anyway it makes me furious so that <laughs> so anyway oh i know I, I i'm dealing with it on tiktok like it's it's insane to me i mean i i am getting a lot of there are a lot of people that are in support of israel that you know hold a good biblical view but man like the number of christians that are coming out in support of that are against israel because you know we are the true jews now we are israel it's 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 blowing my mind and just like you said i would not i would not want to stand before god uh, on that day when he clearly says he's going to judge the nations mm-hmm. based on their treatment of Israel and for mm-hmm. the dividing of his land, the sheep and the goats. And you go, yep. you can find yourself going, not meh. you want, you want the right path anyway. Dude. All right. Why? <laughs> that, oh my gosh. That, that needs to be attempt. on the opening. <laughs> Welcome to Warriors <laughs> Rising. Be a sheep, not a goat. <laughs> and then have, have you doing that. Go ahead. Oh, why are the October 7th atrocities being denied? So this is a long article. I'm going to hit just a couple sections of it. I suggest you go read the full article because it was too much to put into today's episode. But it's really important to understand why we're having this scenario. If the Jews are villains, then it is moral to hate them. It is moral to stand with Hamas, and it is immoral to support the Jews in the state of Israel. On its face, Holocaust denial makes no sense. The physical evidence of the genocide exists. The testimony of survivors and, and of Nazis and their collaborators exist, and they are irrefutable. Beyond that, the Nazis were proud of the fact that they killed 6 million Jews. By denying the Holocaust, contemporary Nazis and Nazi fans seem to be demeaning their heroes. Why would, we do, why would they do that? The mystery of the Holocaust denial is no mere puzzlement from distant past. Understanding its purpose is essential as we contend with our present predicament. Immediately after the world got out about Hamas's sadistic slaughter of more than 1,400 Israeli men, women, and children on October 7th, Hamas's supporters worldwide launched a concerted effort to deny that anything had happened. Just as neo-Nazis both celebrated the Holocaust and deny it, so do those who rapturously greeted the stories of slaughtered and decapitated Jewish babies men and raped and dismembered Jewish women and girls insist that Hamas did not commit any of those crimes. To understand what is happening and what it represents, we need to look at the most popular and powerful form of Holocaust denial today. As Isabella Tabravosky meticulously demonstrated in a tablet magazine article last January, this form of Holocaust denial was coined by the Soviets. It is popularized by a Palestinian Arab terrorist of some repute, Palestinian Authority Chairman and Palestinian Liberation Organization Chief Mohammed Abbas. In 1982, Abbas wrote a doctoral dissertation at the KJB's Institute of Oriental Studies, which he later turned into a best-selling book. His thesis titled The Relationship Between Zionists and Nazis, 1933 through 1945, is the basis for Holocaust education in Palestinian Authority schools. Abbas claimed that the Zionists were Nazis. <laughs> he insisted that just as the Nazis defined themselves as Aryan radical supremacists, the Zionists defend themselves as Jewish radical supremacists. Supremacists, not supremacists. Sorry, supremacists. I can say the right words. Uh, Abbas claimed that the Holocaust was a collaborative effort between the Nazis and the Zionist leadership in the land of Israel. David Ben-Gurion, he wrote, had agents of Europe who collaborated with the Nazis. Their goal, Abbas said, was to support the genocide of European Jewry in order to win international sympathy for the Zionist effort to establish a Jewish supremacist state in the land of Israel, a.k.a. Palestine. As Tavrosky explained, the allure of Abbas' claim for Palestinian Arab Jew haters and Soviets alike is clear. First, it enables them to avoid accounting for the role they played in the murder of 6 million Jews. The irrefutable truth is that it was was the Palestinian Arab leader 
Haj Amin al-Husseini, not Ben-Gurion or any other Jew, Zionist or not, who collaborated with Hitler to annihilate the Jews in Europe and throughout the world. And it was the Soviet Union, not the Zionist leadership, that signed a non-aggression pact with the Nazis. By insisting that it was the Jews who collaborated with their own destruction, both the Soviets and the Palestinian Arabs were able to protect their own culpability onto their enemy, the Jews. They were also able to deny Jews more legitimacy as victims. After all, if the Jews did it themselves, then no one else had anything to own up to. And more importantly, the Jews' alleged venality means that the Nazis were right. The Jews are evil and deserve to be wiped off the map. So it, it's, it's classic gaslighting. And the article goes on, and I suggest you read the whole thing because I think it was really important to point out the reason that we have like this I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I have whiplash, Paul, because it's like, wait a minute, yeah. they're they're promoting, they're celebrating their their death. No, the Jews are making it all up. Look, we yeah. killed babies. No, the Jews are making, it's like, whoa, what's going on? And this explains why that exists. And anti-Semitism is going to grow, right? God says he's going to make Jerusalem a burdensome stone around the neck of the world. And eventually all the world is going to come against Israel. Now, <laughs> when that so this is we shouldn't be surprised as this as this happens now what's interesting is seeing the the anti-semitism rise in the u.s and acceptance of it and it goes again to the well israel that was pretty terrible but you can't defend yourself yeah and how dare you attack people and yes innocent civilians that got killed but when it comes to palestine and gaza so they hit a, a camp I think it was a, it was internally to place persons basically. And it was like where a lot of people were saying it. Well, one, they told the people get out of there, leave that area. We're going to, we're going to bomb that place. They didn't leave. Second, the whole place collapsed. Well, why did it collapse? Because Hamas had tunnels under there. They were storing and caching things. And so Hamas purposely sets these things up in these places so that the civilian, they don't care about their people. They don't care about the Palestinians because they're a, they're a, they're, they are able to be sacrificed for the cause, yeah. which is to wipe out the Jews and jihad and then the PR, uh, the um, influence operation campaigns and the propaganda. Oh, look what they did to the civilians. Now we won't say, hey, we basically won't let them leave. We tell them don't leave this area, uh, that we actually set our people up in this area as well. So when they attack, we can use them as these civilians as pawns to say, oh, look what the Jews did. But you know, in any other case, in any other situation, like if we were to defend our, like if somebody attacked us on that scale, of course, nobody would have an issue with them attacking right? or, or in response or defending themselves. It's only the Jews, but yeah, you know, um, a new wave of anti-Semitism threatens to rock an already unstable world. History is flashing warnings to the world. Outbursts of anti-Semitism have often been harbingers of societies in deep trouble and omens that extremism and violence are imminent. Now, one of the things too, that as you track nations in their anti-semitism it is also as they have gone and completely moved away from god yep. that's been that is an interesting pattern to watch mm -hmm. so the wave of global hatred directed against the jews intensified by israel's indiscriminate response in gaza to horrific hamas terrorist murders of israeli civilians on october 7th should not just be seen as a reaction to the middle east yet again slumping into war Recent anti-Semitism is also a reflection of destructive forces tearing at American and Western European societies where stability and democracy are already under pressure. In the U.S., there is a climate of growing fear. Jewish day schools have been canceled, have canceled classes. Synagogues have been locked. Social media 
has pulsated with hatred against Jews, leaving a community that can never escape its historic trauma yet again, wondering where and when it will ever be safe. Rising hate is tangible. The idea that Jewish Americans studying at Cornell University could so fear for their lives on their Ivy League campus in rural New York that they couldn't even eat together in 2023 seems almost impossible to believe. So the amount of hatred and the stuff going around uh, at Cornell University, the Jewish, the Jews based, the Jewish students basically are trying to avoid being in public or together. Mm-hmm. Yet it's the case after death threats posted on were posted online, tensions were already high after a Cornell professor said he was initially exhilarated over the Hamas attacks at a pro-Palestinian event because the group had changed the balance of power. So here you have a professor that's allowed to remain as a professor celebrating, celebrating the attacks of Hamas on Israel. He later apologized, of course he did, for his choice of words. Police Monday stepped up patrols and New York Governor Kathy uh, Hochul, a Democrat, traveled to campus to vow that we will not tolerate threats or hatred or anti-Semitism. But a feeling of fear pervades Cornell, says Molly Goldstein, co-president of the Cornell Center for Jewish Living. Jewish students on campus right now are unbelievably terrified for their lives. I have never would have expected this to happen on my university campus. But the thing is that this isn't this is just this this campus. There's been multiple colleges mm-hmm. where they run Palestinian protests and or pro-Palestinian protests, and then they'll actually go and try to chase down Jewish students. There was one up in I can't remember the name of the of the uh, school where they the security had locked the Jewish students into the library mm-hmm. because the Palestinian the pro-Palestinian supporters were trying to get to them. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think you're, you know, it's just going to keep increasing. Like you said, that's why I'm going to proudly get my, I stand with Israel. I pray for Israel shirt. And, yep. Yep. And, um, you know, because here's the thing, we have a bigger influence than we realize. And when you choose to stand up and stand with Israel, the, the minds you can change and the influence you can have is huge. And I would not undermine that in today's world because there's a lot of people who don't know what to think about any of this. So, you know, this is why Paul and I take the time to educate you on this stuff. So that way you guys can go out there and educate other people and let them know, you know, no, Israel's not the perpetrator here. They're the victims. Yeah. Now, we don't have to. Business. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, we no, we don't have to stand in and, and support Israel and everything that they do. Right. But we we support their right to the land. We support the right to existence. We support them as God's chosen people and acknowledge that even in their disobedience, God will still fulfill his promises to them that because his name is on the deal, not because we say, oh, we just choose to. It's because he chose them. Yeah. He chose them for himself. Right. And so we support them in that. And we just simply support. we, We believe what God said. Yeah. Well, Kirby said it great on the episode we had with him. I, I'm going to love the things that God loves and I'm going to hate the things that God hates. And it's pretty yep. simple. You know, that's a, you, how can you call yourself his and not take a stand like his uh, one quick thing. And, and I, we've got two other stories that I think we need to get to, but I, I did have somebody who took the scripture out of context. And again, quoting, you know, Palestinian propaganda said to me, you know, what about the 3000 babies that have been murdered? And, you know, Abraham, you know, he, he, he tried to negotiate with the Lord over the rescuing of Sodom. And so shouldn't we be doing the same thing? And I'm like, you are, this is an apples to oranges comparison. And this is again, what happens when you manipulate the scripture and you take it out of context. Uh, The difference is, is that God was judging Sodom, you know, for many different things. And Abraham was, 
doing what Jews do in negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to, to, to compare and contrast that with what's happening in Palestine is very different because the people of Sodom were not putting their innocent babies on the altar and hiding behind that as the excuse for killing the Jews. It's a very, very different situation. And to take that mindset, again, we've said before, we, we would love to see the, the people of Palestine, you know, and Hamas come to know Jesus. We would love to see them set free from this. You know, th this is, this is because they serve the enemy. I mean, this is, you know, to your point, Paul, the reason that these things exist is because when, when you're not serving Jesus Christ, you're serving the enemy period. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, I would love that, that this is not to say that we hate the Palestinians or, but we hate what they do. <laughs> yeah, we hate their actions. And, you know, you can you can simultaneously pray for the innocent, you know, innocent people involved in this, but also support Israel's right to defend itself because God says that this is their land and that he, they are his people. They're not mutually exclusive ideas. And to think that they are is an ignorant position to take and to promote Palestinian propaganda is an ignorant position to take. Don't be ignorant in this. Be be biblically educated because you're if not again you're going to be standing on the wrong side of this issue and and you know that the post that really made me go off on this was she was saying well if, if you don't stand with palestine then we know what side you would have been on with the nazis and it's like well actually <laughs> no, yeah actually, you would have been a nazi yep <laughs> so. exactly so anyway keep going but so that well the next one is uh this is pretty big this is yeah, actually this really is big. Huge. Yeah. So Algeria, and this is a, this was got uh, shot out on Twitter. Algerian Parliament gave the president authority to go to war with Zion, Israel, and more countries to come. Israel has crossed all the red lines. There is no point of return for Israel. World War Three is on the march. Stand up before the mother of all wars emerges from the blood of the Palestinians. Western leaders rejected UN resolutions for a ceasefire, and the former Al uh, Algerian president uh, Houari. Boumediene in the early 1970s says, we are with Palestinians where whether they are right or wrong. Now, the reason that this is so big is because Alge uh, Algeria is ancient put, which is one of the countries in Ezekiel 38. Mm -hmm. So what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks is all the nations that are involved within Ezekiel 38 are actually starting to one by one declare war on, or, yeah. or whether they haven't officially declared war, but parliament gave the parliament of Algeria gave the Algerian president the right to declare war on Israel. Yeah. So from Ezekiel 38 verse five, Persia, Kush and put will accompany them all with shields and helmets, as well as Gomer with all its troops and Beth Torgama from the far North with all its troops and the many nations with you. And that's from Ezekiel 38, verse five and six. So that's what- Paul And, and I'll put a picture up on the site of Ezekiel, like a map of Ezekiel 38. That way people yeah. can actually see. Boom, 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 boom. All right, so then we'll wrap Crazy. up with this last story. Yeah, so I, Amir Safati posted this on Telegram. I follow him on Telegram if you don't and you wanna stay on top of what's going on. Uh, and then I found the news article that corresponds with what he's talking about to give some context. This weekend will determine if we are headed into a world war or not. The decision is made in Tehran. Is that how you say that, Tehran? Tehran. Yeah. The speech is delivered in Beirut. The, the response will be decided in Tel Aviv. 
The Israeli Air Force is ready. Bombs are loaded and missiles are mounted. All of our F-16s, F-15s, and F-35s are fueled and the pilots are at their bases or in their bases. So the news article that corresponds to this is Hezbollah's leader to speak publicly for the first time since Hamas attacked Israel. Many in the region are watching Hassan Nasrallah's speech for insights into whether Hezbollah will escalate its battle with Israel. Hassan Nasrallah, the leader of the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah, will break his public silence on the war in Gaza on Friday, so that's today, in a televised speech that many in the region expect will provide insights into whether the group will escalate its battle with Israel. So we don't know yet. It's a waiting game. Yeah. It's 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 a waiting game. But you know, again, things are just kind of moving along. It's I did get a text from my buddy who lives in Israel, and they're the even though they're not really reporting it, the rockets have not stopped incoming. And yeah. he says they're actually kind of escalating slowly in the number so daily they're getting more and more rockets you know and most people don't realize it is i think it's like 120,000 rockets since 2005 or 2000 i can't remember i'd have to go look at the numbers again but it, it is a an insane amount of rockets they have been shot into the nation of israel mm-hmm. and you know they say if you get rid of israel all the problems in the middle east will be taken care of but then you look at the map of all the muslim countries from africa up into the middle east into western asia and then you get this tiny little speck and that's Israel. <laughs> that's Israel yeah. That's Israel, yeah. you know? And so again, it goes back to God, God's word is true. And God says what he means and he means what he says. But, you know, our, our role in this, obviously, as the days grow darker and as we see all this occurring, the question is, are, are you first, are you where you need to be with the Lord? Are you pursuing him? Are you in his word? Are you building that relationship with him, spending time with him every day? Or are you just continuing on? Hey, life is going to continue. Whether you acknowledge it mentally, if you are acting like life is normal and just going to continue on the way it has been for the next 20 years, the last 20 years, for the next 20, 30, 40 years, then you don't really believe it. Mm -hmm. We can't act like that anymore. We don't have the time. We do not have the time. And once something really does kick off, then it's too late to be prepped, you know? And so we've got to get locked into that relationship with the Lord now, right? Right now, I'm in, like I said, I'm in a preparation phase right now with the things that I'm, that I'm creating, that I'm building, that God's having me go through, but I can't get, you know, a year down the line and be like, oh, I need this stuff. It's like, dude, you, you should have been doing that last year. Like, sorry, either you're going to be unprepared and it's going to blow up in your face. He can kind of use you and it just won't be as good. Or he'll just be like, dude, I got somebody else Mm -hmm. that now that that's the biggest thing that scares me. But yeah. you've got to get this stuff locked in now. You've got to get, where are you with the Lord? What is your position in Christ? How is that relationship? Are you cultivating it? Are you driving towards it? Is it, it, is it what you obsess over? Cause you know, people can call you crazy, whatever, but like, I kind of, like, I just, I obsess over it. Like I got this one biblical program and I, it does audio reading. And so I'm like, I, I, when I say like my day is filled with the scriptures and stuff like that. And I get like, I like, when you got a job and stuff like that, it's, I get it, but you can still have that constant communication with him. Your day can revolve around him, right? All those little extra spare moments can be, you know, it's like when you, you know, when you first got with your, I, I keep saying, you know, you know, like my buddy, Hal. Oh dude, he's, he's the, you know, guy, but uh, <laughs> I love Hal. Hal. Hal is the coolest dude I've ever met in my life. I freaking love him. Um, but you know, that when you first get in that relationship with your spouse or you're first getting, you know, you steal all those little moments with them, those little text messages, mm-hmm. like as many as you mm-hmm. can, 
it should be the same with the Lord, just pursuing yeah. that, stealing those little intimate moments with him constantly. But then from there, what is your role? What is your mission? Where is your operational? What different operational environments do you find yourself in? Are you putting things in place where you can actually sow seeds, where you can be an effective Christian like you when you went to Vegas, not to blow smoke or toot your own horn or anything like that. But I mean, hey, here was an opportunity to witness to Jewish people. You take it. When opportunities happen, you take them. You don't know when they're going to, when or if they're ever going to come again. You, th- mm-hmm. There may be no more chances, mm-hmm. right? So, and then who are you training? Once you get to a level of maturity, right? Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews says, by now you should be teachers. Now, how many of you at this point should be teachers and tra- able to train others? Well, quite a few, because we do know we have a lot of Christians that have been Christian for a lot of years and you haven't really done much with it. So get off your tush and start yeah. getting active, Yeah. right? Yeah. Find somebody to disciple and train you and then find people that you can train and disciple. Mm-hmm. That Because mm-hmm. that's, that, that's the thing. You start getting active on the field it drives action drives more action that's 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 the best way to look at that right as we know when you're sedentary it gets easier and easier and easier to be more sedentary and you feel junkier and junkier and junkier but yeah. then you feel good when you get out and do you actually feel accomplished so really start to be like and, and here's here's the deal I, I love what ray comfort said when it's like i don't know what god's will for my life is you know uh he was talking about you know, he's an example. She, this lady, she says, I'm just praying, God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? And then she dies. It's like, I told you what my will is. Mm-hmm. Preach the gospel. Disciple the nations. Mm-hmm. That's my will. And he says, you know, I stopped asking God. Like he said, obviously we pray on major things like moving to America. But when it comes to things that push the gospel, whether it's starting a, a, a newspaper, getting, you know, all these different things that he's done, it has always been, God, we are stepping out in faith because you said, preach the gospel. And yeah. we are doing this in obedience to you. And we yeah. ask that you bless it. And if it's not the direction you want us to go, shut it down. Yeah. And, he, and he said, every time we have never had one issue and it has always been blessed because he said, he gave us what his will is for our life. So now we're doing that. We're using that as our launching pad. So get innovative do that. Get out there and do it. Use that. Stop, stop praying. Oh God, what's your will for my life? And he's like, I told you now go and do it. Yeah. You know, that's so we, we don't have much more time guys when it comes to the, to the, to the just like, I know that we've been saying that for a year, but at the same time, like this is a year later, almost as of next week, Yeah, that means we're all one year older. Yeah. We're all one year older. We're all one year closer to the end of our lives. And guess what? We're all that ultimate statistic. 10 out of 10 of us are going to die. <laughs> unless so, we get raptured. <laughs> unless we get raptured. Yeah. That's why I jump up and down, do my rapture yeah. drills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, if, if we were talking about stuff popping off a little bit last year, you know, and we've seen the progression of our nation and the world over this last year. You know, just think of how fast 2020 hit and everything was just nuts, right? There's there's no saying when any of this is going to hit, right. but you've got to be out there doing what you're called to do, what you, what what Christ commanded us to do. Yep. The, the time is not to build a relationship then. The time to build the relationship is now. Like there has to come a point where we say, I raised my hand, you died for me. 
I love you. I see the love that you have for me, right? It says we love him because he first loved us. Understand the depth of love and sacrifice that he made for us and that he is worthy. He is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of our offerings and our sacrifices, which is us, Mm -hmm. our lives. He is worthy of it. And if there is nothing else that drives you, or that at least you, even if you don't feel it, you just say, look, he's worthy of it. So I'm going to do it in honor of him. He's worthy of it. So I'm going to spend time with him. He's worthy of it. So I'm going to just feast on his word Mm -hmm. so that I am prepared to do the things and equipped to do the things that he lays before me. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a verse. uh, I can't remember the name of it. Give me one second. So in uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That that walking in them is in the subjunctive in the Greek. Mm. What subjunctive is the realm of possibility. It is not certain. Mm-hmm. So basically, we are his worksmanship created in Christ for good works. He's prepared them. But it's that we should walk in them. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we may not. So it's your choice. Are you going to walk in them or are you not? Because I know that in, in so many people, there is something God is convicting you of, laying on your heart that you should do. And you're not doing it. Or stop doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, just things he's asking you to be obedient on. Yeah. Exactly. So you screwed up yesterday. That's fine. Pick your ruck up and start moving forward. Yep. Yesterday's gone. It doesn't matter. You can't change it. Get on your knees, confess, repent, move forward and start taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. The world is taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. The world is taking all their pursuits seriously. Mm-hmm. The atheists and deconstructionists are taking their mission seriously. Mm-hmm. We as Christians need to take it just if not more seriously more seriously we hold truth exactly yeah. exactly so you got your babylon b got my babylon b i've got two i'm sorry i'm gonna be greedy i couldn't pick so instead of choosing i'm gonna do both and it kind of goes along with what you said i would not have killed i would not have gone along with the nazis in 1939 says a college student had to kill the jews rally <laughs> a local university student expressed her own tremendous virtue by proudly announcing she would never have gone along with the rise of nazi party in germany as she walked across campus to attend kill the jews rally taking place on the quad oh yeah i would have nipped all that hitler stuff in the bud said harvard J- junior diana stevens i'm t- i hope there's nobody actually named diana stevens at harvard <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you if i was in germany back then i would have never participated in the horrific things the nazis were doing now which way to the rally where they were cheering for the entire nation of israel to be pushed into the sea <laughs> so dovetailing nicely with that is my first of two Babylon B articles We may never know exactly what Hamas wants, says a reporter in front of Hamas holding exterminate Jews from existence banners. There's a picture of three Hamas soldiers holding a banner that says exterminate Jews from existence. Gaza, members of the media remain unsure of the motivation behind Hamas's violent attacks against Israel, with a reporter on the scene left speculating while Hamas terrorists held up a banner behind her with exterminate the Jews from existence, written boldly in all caps. 
All right. That one was too good. But because again, you know, they, these people who think you can make peace with people who put babies in ovens, uh, have another thing coming for them. All right. So here's the real Babylon B for the day. I can, I can make this joke because I am from California. Nine ways to scare off Californians looking to move into your neighborhood. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that young couple looking for a home in your neighborhood from California? You better get them out of here pronto before they turn your beautiful state into a socialist cesspool. If you don't, you'll both have to look for a new state to move into in about 10 years after they bring their California politics with them. <laughs> These are the best Oof. ways to scare off a Californian, right? One, smile and wave at them. <laughs> Number two, offer them sweet tea. Number three, <laughs> throw off a cool gun you're packing. <laughs> Number four, ask them where they're going to church immediately after meeting them for the first time. <laughs> Number five, Ooh. invite them to your church. <laughs> Number six, show them your house and the several acres you live on. Their brains literally cannot comprehend the idea that a family of four isn't crammed into a tiny studio apartment. <laughs> it will seem icky and wrong to them for for it to be any other way. Number seven, point out how many houses in town have American flags. Number eight, start talking about what they can expect when, when winter rolls around. <laughs> and number nine, show off your Trump 2020 and 2024 bumper stickers. This is sure to send them back to California in absolute terror. <laughs> <laughs> California is so beautiful and they do not deserve that state. Holy cow. Yeah. But all right, guys. I really appreciate you guys joining us today and I just hope that we have encouraged you this week. It is it is no small thing that we realize that you actually spend hour and a half, two hours hanging out with us and and that is time that is yours. So we appreciate you guys. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, uh, please send them to paul at the warriorsrising.com. I do have a website. Uh, I'm going to be posting some stuff on there, like maps when you can see Ezekiel 37, 30, or 38, and 39. Um, I'm going to also throw up these links on there as well. They are going to be in the podcast. You can see the links to it in there as well. Um, please like and share this podcast with your family and friends. We just love you guys. We pray for you and just hope that we encourage you this week. So go out. Preach the gospel, disciple the nations, and bring glory and honor to our King. This Paul with Warriors Rising, out.